Welcome to Pressure Points. I'm Gene Munster. Our topic is Apple earnings. We're going to break it down into two pieces. One is the current state of the business, and second is the longer-term impact of what we learned today. And we'll start with the near term. As far as the December quarter, they did beat slightly. They reported 2% revenue growth. The street was looking for 1%. Beat earnings by a little bit. Overall, the iPhone was surprisingly strong, up 6%. The iPhone was expected to be up about 2.5%. China was weaker than expected. It was down 13% year over year. Uh, adjusting for FX, it would have been down 6 or 7%. But that was a deceleration from down 2.5% in the September 23 quarter. So China was a bigger headwind. They more than offset it in other parts of the world. And the takeaway is that the business returned to growth for the first time in a year. All of that goodness was washed away when Luca got to the guidance segment, which the punchline is that they lowered the guidance from the street was at 1%. And they gave guidance to expect revenue to be down about 5% in the March quarter. So going from plus one, where analysts were at, to minus five based on their guidance. And not only was it a guide down, but it was a little bit of confusion around it. So I'll step through what happened with the guidance. Is that the a year ago in March of 2023, Apple benefited from pent-up demand that came from December of 2022. And the reason is that in November of 22, iPhone 14 production was shut down in China because of COVID. So that 5 billion in revenue got moved from December of 23, where normally they would have seen it, into March, uh, December of 22, into March of 23. So when they reported their March of 23, call it 95 billion in revenue, it was actually had more of a tailwind than we realized. And I went back to the call. The company did not mention it last year in March of 23. And so that would have been nice to have known because then analysts could have properly adjusted their numbers and thought about what the real number should have been for this March of 23. They would have known that this was kind of an extraordinarily tough comp because of an extraordinary event happened. The iPhone production got shut down. So it makes sense to me that the company wants to give some context to this. And after factoring in the context, the overall business is basically going to be flat year over year. The uh, piece that I wish was different was that I wish Apple a year ago would have mentioned in the December quarter that, excuse me, the March 23 quarter that we had a great March 23 it did have a big benefit, more than we realized, the $5 billion in revenue that came spilling over from December of 22 because that factory shut down. That would have been good to have known. And my take on this, and this has been consistent for all the years that I've been investing as an, as an analyst, is just be consistent. If you want to call it FX when it's negatively impact, call it out when it's positively impacting. If you want to call it these one-time pieces when it's having a negative impact, call it out when it's having a positive impact. So I've said my piece, Apple's business adjusting for that is basically flat, which gets to a bigger question related to what is Apple's true growth rate? So if we look at the last six quarters, call it four of them, previous four, we're down 2.5%. Now we just reported a quarter that was up 2%. And this quarter, if you give them the benefit of backing out that $5 billion, is going to be flat. If you take that benefit away, it's down, 6%, down 5%. 
But when you put it together, it hasn't been a growing business, which begs the question, what's Apple's underlying growth rate? And I think we have some clues to that relative to what they talked about and how that impacts the longer term. And there are three things I want to point out. The first is related to the active install base. And they break this number out once a year. It was $2.2 billion. Uh, that was up 10% year over year. And the previous year, the active install base grew at 11%, which is impressive given there's a law of large numbers that was working against them. The ability to grow that by 10% is a sign of strength. And separately, is during that time, revenue was basically down 2.5%. And what that means is that people are holding on to their Apple devices longer. They're continuing to use them. And uh, that is one of the reasons why they hold on to them longer. Many times it's because of macro-related. It also could be feature-related. But in total, if you are sticking with Apple as a platform, there's a high probability that you come back and eventually upgrade. And if you look at Apple's market share within the high-end smartphone market, they have been gaining market share globally over the last few years. Hit record market share in high-end smartphone market in China based on IDC in the December quarter. And so the franchise is intact. And I would, I would view that it's actually gotten stronger, which is the base of why you can get back to what I think is this 5% growing business. And essentially, you'll have periods where the economy starts being stronger. Maybe there's a feature that attracts more people in, and you're going to have some years that are growing 6 7 8%, and other years that are growing 1%, 2%, But when I think you level it out, it's a 5% growing business. We can debate about what you pay for that. I think it's consistent as a consumer staple company. I'd much rather own Apple versus Coca-Cola. They have similar growth rates right now, but I think that the potential for higher growth rates with Apple is on the table where some of these other consumer staples, reliable businesses, but don't have that upside potential. And so that's number one is the active install base. The second piece that uh, caught my attention about the long term, and this one is a negative, is related to the impact of some changes to the App Store in Europe. In March, they are going to allow third-party app stores to be downloaded through Apple's App Store. So you download this third-party app store, you go into that app store, and you can download other apps. When you transact with those other apps, those are going to have lower fees that Apple will take. And it's, there's a matrix on how those fees are broken down. The European Union requires Apple break it down into three segments. We won't get into that here, but just say collectively is that what they're going to make, the growth rate in Europe in their app store, will likely decline. They did break out on the call that 7% of their overall app store revenue comes from the European Union. So the overall app store revenue, if you look at the total business, is about 7% of the total business. So this is 7% of the 7% comes from Europe, which means that it's really not going to have much of an impact. It is worth noting, because this is something that Apple did not want to go down this road. They resisted this for good reason. And there's this question about steering in the U.S. and how that potentially could impact some of the App Store in the U.S. So in total, I think of the App Store as 7% of total revenue. It's a highly profitable. I think it's a 75% margin business. And I think that what's happened in Europe is worth monitoring to see if it ends up spreading to other regions. And I won't worry about what's going on in Europe specifically to the business because it's small with the App Store. 
but something worth watching. The third piece, and this is in the positive category, is related to artificial intelligence. And for, for the first time, couldn't believe my ears when Tim Cook in his prepared remarks mentioned the letters AI and said that they will have, it's important to Apple, and they're gonna have some announcements later this year. And one of my predictions for 2024 was that Apple would come out with a foundation model in the June WWDC. I think the probability that that happens increased tonight. And that's important because Apple has not been participating in generative AI. They've always talked about AI in terms of making their products better, fall detection, text uh, promoting, organizing photos, but they've never addressed the generative AI opportunity. And so now they're doing that. And how Apple has a unique opportunity, I don't think they're going to have the best foundation model. And this would compete with like Grok and JetGPT, uh, uh, Gemini, Anthropic. I don't think they'll have the best foundation model, but I think they'll have a model that is great, that allows a lot of utility for people, specifically leveraging Apple's privacy and security uh, excellence and helping people do uh, personalized AI with that. And that would be the ability to ask your device to do something, uh, resolve my electric bill, help book a table, what's the best snowblower I should be buying, to be able to actually go through and uh, to give some very clear actions and even take steps to make our lives a little bit easier. That's an opportunity that is is right dead center for Apple longer term. I think that they can embed that in their products. I think they could charge for a product that could do that. This all gets back to the 5% type of a growth. So uh, that was on the, 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 those are the three big pieces longer term. Active install base, some of the changes to what's going on in the App Store in Europe and does that go to other countries? And lastly, it's uh, good news for Apple that we're gonna likely see a foundation model. So put it all together, wish the guidance was better, it was negative guidance. Uh, I do expect them to return to growth and uh, we'll be getting ready to get our Vision Pro tomorrow and uh, report back on that, which uh, should be mentioned as one of the other, other things that does uh, appropriately come last year because it's going to take time for this to grow. But Vision Pro, I do believe, uh, will eventually account for 15% of revenue. I think it will take a decade to get there. Off to a good start with the 600 apps right out of the gate. I was expecting that number to be 200. So of those, about 40% of those are gaming apps. And we we'll look back at the Meta Quest Store, about 70% of their apps are related to uh, are related to gaming. And so Apple's making a good choice of not getting this device pigeonholed as a uh, as only a gaming device. They want it to be uh, much more broad than that. So that's also on, on the ledger, but that's a wrap for this episode of Pressure Points. I'm Gene. Bye for now.